Hey, real quick, Eric from Tap That AZ. Go to patreon.com forward slash tap that AZ. Join the Patreon team and you get to binge listen to all seven episodes of this Cicerone series. Also, free shirts, swag bags, stickers, cool stuff, early access to episodes. Go check it out. Patreon.com forward slash tap that AZ. Make sure you guys check out Inkle Do. These guys are awesome. Buy their coffee. It's awesome. You're awesome. Bye. Welcome back to the Sissified miniseries, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this journey as much as we are. We are continuing into Beer Styles, which is section number two in the Cicerone Certified Beer Server outline. Uh, this episode is going to be dedicated just to the different styles and a little bit of history and a little little bit of this, a little bit of that, and just all of the variations in beer and, in, and just to encourage you to try different beer. So give it a listen. Yes. You called. You rang. Yes. Hello, Hello. Hello. All right. So, Hi. so to give you guys a quick recap on what just happened, uh, I am a big dum dum, and I was <laughs> not washing my battery on my recorder. So, uh, since then, we have uh, lost Zach, who gave us some incredibly beautiful content. This guy knows his stuff. He's been in the beer industry for a minute. And I'm so proud to have him on the podcast, and I cannot wait for you guys to listen to part two of where he will uh, explain a little bit more on beer storage, um, certain off flavors, and all the like. I don't want to spoil you, but if you are with us right now and you are continually listening, we are continuing our topic on beer styles with Alec. Oh, Lord. Where were we at? So and since then, we have actually done a little quick refill. Uh, and we also, uh, we lost Zach, but we gained another beer aficionado, another Cicerone certified beer server. And his name is Paul Rosevere. You may have heard him on the podcast Ooh. once or twice before. Ooh. Anyway, welcome, Paul. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Uh, the expensive uh, equipment. Hey, AJ. Jason. Yeah, that was Paul, sorry. Paul, what are you drinking, by the way? I'm drinking some Bottle Logic. Um, I forget the exact name again. What is it, Alex? Roswell's. Roswell's. Sherswell. <laughs> one that was, I think, being drunk, drank. Yep, I had Dr- that one dr- earlier. Drinking. 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 Consumed. Drinking. Dragon. Consumed. Consumed. There we go. Uh, by AJ earlier. It is very, very tart. Mm. I like it. You know what? Slide that my way. I want to try it. How about around? <laughs> Make sure to pass it over the expensive equipment. Exactly. It's nicely Eric, done. Eric doesn't know that. <laughs> Eric, uh, close your ear. <laughs> what are you drinking, Alec? Or the same thing? Uh, what did I grab? Um, I grabbed the yeah, the mellow eyes from Moonraker. It's a six point five, maybe. Percent oh, that's right. You're still, you're yeah, still yeah, sipping on I'm that one. Sipping on this bad boy. Rock on. This and will probably be my last until I head off later. There you go. Into, into the wild. Into the wild. Yeah. Over to fate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Side note, Paul. This is like literally a warhead in a glass. It is. Yeah. I'm aware of that. Unfortunately, it looks like a Jolly Rancher. Unfortunately, it's giving me a little bit of acid reflux, but oh. I'll just have to deal with it and drink my delicious beer anyways. <laughs> For the record, I told you it was super sour beforehand. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> Paul, Paul, uh, Paul comes from uh, the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild, Brewers Guild as well as Taste of Tops. Um, he's also, you can catch Paul at Irene's Tap Room slinging it some suds here and there as well. Slinging some suds. Slinging them suds. Um, I picked up Delirium Red. I haven't had Delirium yeah. Red in like in a while, but you know what? I was drinking Berliners. I was drinking 
Um, definitely a good sour, and now I've switched over to something a little, a little sweeter, a little, a little, a little classic. But the Delirium Reds is so freaking good. I love this beer. It's 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 like strawberry jam in a glass. If you've never seen it, it is it is red. Um, it's with that cute little uh, pink elephant uh, logo as well. So if you ever see it out there, don't be afraid to try a Belgian. A Belgian Belgians aren't scary. They're they're just a little. They're phenomenal. They're, they're a little heavy. Yeah. If you if you're into something sweeter, if you're into something heavier. Um, not heavier by like body wise, but they are on a little, little, little on the thick side, a little thick with two C's. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> but yes, girl. if you're, it, and that's kind of like what we were talking about before m- my batteries blew out <laughs> on, <laughs> on the H on my recorder. Um, we were talking about different styles and why we shouldn't be so afraid to, to try a different style. Um, Alec has a lot more to cover here, so I'm going to go ahead and let him explain a little bit more of um, these different beer styles. So where I think we were at was kind of moving through, like, uh, we currently had hit America. Mind you, I realized that I skipped over Belgium, and we will get back to that when we start hitting specific beers. I am so sorry. Uh, <laughs> And so the Belgians we're, we're are used to being forgotten. That we'll recover. We'll come back true. to them. That's true. That's a so really sad. great point. Yeah. You're absolutely right. They mm-hmm. are very much overlooked. Okay, keep going. Okay, and quick note on that too. If you guys are in Arizona listening to this podcast, please do yourself a favor and go down to North Mountain and pick up either their baby Belgian or their neurotic. Um, okay. Hands down, they make the best classic uh, Belgian style beers in the state. You live right next to North Mountain. It's that's not a bad idea. Yeah, uh, and Dinner actually, plans? their barrel yep. their <laughs> barrel age NIB or the Nib or whatever it is is also super great. But their Belgian beers at North Mountain uh, are unparalleled in the state, in my opinion. I wonder why. I wonder like uh, what kind of code have they cracked? That's gotten their Belgians down to like a well, really good science. I think it's because they're not trying to do. They're doing what Doc does. Like they're not trying to do yeah. bells and whistles. They're trying to go classic traditional. Sure. And they Rob, nail it. Yeah, Rob is definitely a very traditional guy. Yeah. He loves his import beer, all about German or also Belgian. He takes it very seriously. Yeah. So. I asked him to bring Belgian back program. the Purplesaurus Rex. <laughs> it's a raspberry hefeweizen, and it's so yummy. It's like one of my favorite North Mountain beers. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sidetrack. Keep so. going. <laughs> And so we were talking about German beers before. I believe we started to get into Gosa's, which I was talking about, you know, a way to get people that are like, I like Bud Light, but I want to try craft beer and I want to try something kind of weird and different. You know, Gosa's Berliners are a fun way to do that because they're also German style beers, but they're fruity or, you know, uh, bready and sour and salty and all this stuff. It, it has all these different things. And especially being in Arizona, I feel like a Gosa is a perfect introduction for a lot of people like that because we drink a hell a lot of margaritas out here y'all mm. and uh truth agosa is a perfect representation in my opinion of a margarita as a beer i mean mm-hmm. it's all about that salt content it's about that you know not the agave fruit but it's about the fruitiness of the beer then mm. and this light easy drink and you can drink both by a pool type have you had you the know. one by founders yet the masagave? Uh, you pour it over ice and it's straight up a margarita. Yeah, it's, it's fan fantastic. So good. It's funny. Some kegs of that are like extremely boozy and some aren't. Really? But every se- yeah. I mean, because mm. we've had probably five or six through here at this point. Yeah. We've, we've had quite a few. Um, but that masagave is so Solid. Good. 
Killer. I actually gave a sample to my dad, and he's not into that type of stuff typically. Well, he loved Barrel Theory when we went out to Minnesota, but yeah. um, he tried that Masagave, and this was like one of the first sour. That, that was the first sour ever that my dad was like, "That is delicious." That's cool. <laughs> nice. Our fridge was broken, and so we. Too? <laughs> I know it's heavy. Gosa, are you kidding mm-hmm. uh-huh. That's what, what? Awesome. Our fridge was broken, and Orlando, the founder's rep, gave us a six pack, and he's like, "You're gonna love it. It's phenomenal." And we're like, "Hell yeah!" And we cracked it open. And we're like, oh, "Shit! It's like it's not as cold." as I would want mm-hmm. it to be because typically one, like, has to be. you have to be kind of cold however we found a little trick and I was like am I going against all of my like beer instincts right now by pouring this beer over ice and here's the thing I thought you were going to say frosty bug and oh, I'm like we've been over no, this we've been over this I know I know <laughs> but I poured it over I just threw a couple cubes in there just to just to chill it down but I'm like, I feel this is sacrilegious. Like, I don't know what to do. It's like, like our freezer wasn't working. Like, it was terrible in the middle of August. Like, how shitty is that? So I end up throwing a couple ice cubes in it. And Paul did too. And we both had our, we both had ours. And we're just like, this is delicious. And so a couple weeks later, we run into Orlando. We're like, hey, thanks so much for the founders. It was so, so good. By the way, uh, that Masagave was awesome. He's like, yeah, have you tried it over ice? I'm like, what? <laughs> Seriously, you beat me to this? Yeah, so it is appropriate, apparently, to have Masagave over ice. And I will definitely pick up another one and share that with my folks and yeah. be like, Mom, you're, my mom Try and dad love, love a good, you know, t- uh, margarita. But yeah, so good. Anywho. Anyway. Because um, so sours saisons yeah so, life, we, so we were kind of getting into like what, what what became popular in the U.S. and we were talking like post um, prohibition time you know people didn't have anything in their wallets and they wanted to still drink because you know it's finally legal again hoorah <laughs> and hoorah <laughs> and so Budweiser and Schlitz started making some really cheap you know consistent as we got into hard to make hard to make properly done beer and people blew up about it but remember we also came from this time when we were drinking a shit ton of like english ales and then porters and stouts and um stuff from ireland stuff from scotland stuff from not as much belgian quite yet um but we were drinking all these different styles of beers but for whatever reason like the lager like really took off in america and so let's fast forward into Arizona history. And back in 1991 is actually when we got our first brewery here. Uh, it was known as Gentle Ben's Brewing Company back at the time. And I mentioned Barrio earlier. That's, that's Barrio. Um, and they used to make their Tucson Blonde. And Tucson Blonde is the first mass-produced, you know, the first brewery-produced beer in Arizona. Um, and now it's called the Barrio Blonde through Barrio. They changed names back in, I believe it was 2007. Um, but yeah, they're, they're the oldest brewing company. And so now we get up into this age where we're at right now. Let's, let, let's break it down about, cause the last probably six years in this beer culture has been news comes in as rapidly as it does in our politics right now. Like there's constantly something going on. There's constantly some sort of news coming out. There's something new. We were talking even in the last episode about, uh, if a beer is three weeks old and you bring it to a bottle share, is it really a beer anymore? <laughs> If, if um, it's not, if it's unless not, it was aged well. Unless it was aged well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, an I, we, it's an IPA and it's not a week old. Oh, no. Is it really an IPA? Is <laughs> it really? It then turns into a barley wine at yeah. that point. Yeah, like, why not? <laughs> and so we're in Unless this. it's a Dogfish 120, so. Yeah, yeah then you share that. Amen. Then it's good times. <laughs> then good times. <laughs> and so right now I'm going to talk about one specific style, and then, and then we'll start covering some other stuff here. But the IPA has become... 
it has gone through probably the most change out of anything in American beer culture. It started off as this thing made in Northern California as like a hoppy pale ale. And then we started adopting this American style IPA, which was super hopped up, which we got as we were talking from when, you know, England was coming over here, you know, the United Kingdom was coming through and they needed hops to preserve their beer. And then we kind of took that an extra step and said, well, let's throw in a few more pounds of that shit. (laughs) And the IPA a few years ago, it was for a while, let's make something that's balanced. Something that has a lot of malt character to it. We're talking Pliny the Elder. We're talking Bell's Too Hearted, you know. Um, something that has more malt balance to, to take away some of the, the hoppiness of it to make it more drinkable. And then people said, well, screw that. Let's start throwing a shit ton of hops in here. And let's raise that IBU as high as freaking possible. And we'll cover IBUs in just a little bit. Don't you worry. Hmm. Um, and then post that, I noticed everything started going into like this grapefruit. People wanted other sort of fruity or tropical or citrus flavors in their beer. And so people started using grapefruit and that became a huge thing, but it was all this West coast style hop driven, um, bitter, dank, you know, grassy sort of driven, um, style ale. And then some people got real weird. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what happens when people consume mass, mass quantities. And I'm going to make a joke right here, but it's kind of like an English style again because the Eng- the British love their tea. And that's basically what we started doing with beer is we started dropping tea bags of hops in, like, the fermentation so cycle. So true. And it's something called dry hopping. Yep. And we basically, you know, let our tea bags sit in there and make this beer all cloudy. And now we start tasting the hops instead of tasting the bitterness of them. And this whole haze craze has just completely taken over. And then, you know, Brute IPAs tried to do a thing. Um, Milkshake IPAs tried to do a thing. You know, Bourbon Barrel Aged or some sort of um, spiritist liquor barrel started being used widely. Um, And then there was actually a huge resurgence of, and I think we're actually going to see more of that in 2019, of spontaneously fermented uh, wild ales. And, you know, we see these specifically wild ale brewing companies um, where that's all they brew, you know, I mean, the brewery Tarot has a whole side that's just dedicated to that. We've got um, Crooked Stave does a ton. We've got um, Almanac used to do that. They now reopened other stuff. You know, Council was doing a ton of that. Then they also reopened up for other styles. Okay, seriously, RIP. If you all still find any of those Beatitudes, the Beatitudes on the shelf, grab them. And grab an extra and bring it to me. Thank you. That's an <laughs> um, aged one for sure at this point. It's delicious. Now. You can actually still find some at the Casual Pint. Can and you? at an AJ's up in North Scottsdale. with like Scottsdale Road and mm-hmm. something way up past the 101. Nice. And they're super cheap at that one. They're like $9.99 a bottle. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, again, so kind of touching back, back that is <laughs> that example right there, even though Council is no longer, mm-hmm. you know, with us and we treat it like a death. Uh, Seriously. It kind of was. was, We're mourning the the death of Council. Council came out with some amazing brews. Um, It's the industry, though. They didn't want those big style bottles. They didn't want these big, big beers. And again, this is going back to customer appeal, which is what's run the entire American beer culture. Sure. Mm -hmm. Is customer appeal. And big size bombers and expensive sours weren't running it. And that's what they were making. And even though they were arguably some of the best in the nation. Yeah, they weren't the only one. Quick kettle sours. They wanted quick, cheap, easy Mm -hmm. kettle sours, Mm -hmm. just like we did back in the Prohibition era, but we wanted quick, cheap, easy 
mm-hmm. lagers. But again, if people are picking up these bottles, and I mean, we don't we, listen, folks. We're not getting paid by these breweries to like promote no, their great. stuff, but we are. We are definitely ones that are promoting something that, when it's good, get it. And mm-hmm. and in our opinion, if it's good, you run out and grab it. So if you see Council, that is no longer a brewery anymore. If you see that out and about, like Alex said, snatch it up. Sours do age well. They do. You and can, these ones are barrel-aged sours to begin with. They're actually all Saisons in their base, and we were oh, talking about in the last episode well, there you go. how Belgian-style beers age well. This is uh, basically a fruited oak-aged. I believe it's oak-aged. Yeah, I think they oak-aged them all. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Previous council people don't get mad at me. Um, <laughs> but they're basically fruited, soured Saisons. But that actually brings up an interesting thing about yeast. We could talk about Britannomyces. Oh, we'll yeah. get into that. Later. Oh, Brett. Oh. More about that. Sa- Brett. So, Brett. so kind of tiny. Have you met Brett? Sometimes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm not a big fan of Brett. It no. just depends on the brew. It depends is, on the Is he over- overwhelming sometimes? He likes to argue with you? Brett, well, <laughs> Brett and I sometimes. It's a very tumultuous relationship yeah. between Brett and myself. And. <laughs> and we'll get into that a little later. But again, last thing before I let Alec kind of like keep going is that Nobody yes, that. sours can be sours can be like really beautifully aged. And honestly, mm-hmm. if you do keep them and you do want to cherish them and you finally want to bust them out for like your ten year anniversary or whatever, bust it out, but remember of the proper serving for, for this beer, right? You can chill it before serving, but once you let it open up you have to like understand kind of like what else has gone in there and don't just pitch it out because the first sip that you take is just like, it tastes weird. <laughs> no, let it open up, let it breathe. It's like a wine when you're, when you're aging something like that, like people really think that like that beer is lowbrow, right? I want to take the idea of beer being lowbrow where it's the cheap drink to do. No, it's not. Absolutely. You can age these things for years and, and for months and years and, and drink it respectively. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox about how sours are great. All right, sours keep going. Incredible. And so one thing that's really interesting, getting back into, the, into this whole customer appeal sort of thing, is, again, my knowledge base comes from selling beer within a store and at a bar. So most of what I'm going to talk about on this podcast is going to be based with that as, as basically like the foothold. And so we talked about customer appeal ruling everything, um, we can bring in the same style beer from the exact same brewing company, same release, you know, all finished within a week of each other. And one of the cans says hazy on it. The others don't. That one will sell first. Hands down. It's a keyword. Why? People it are is. looking for that keyword. They're looking for the keyword. And, uh, for there's another familiar. term for it, but we'll just say keyword. Yeah. Very, very important in marketing and advertising. It's huge. Yeah. There's tons of research done, yeah. all kinds of different words and, Hazy is one people look for, and it's it will sell your product. And that's another thing too is you also look at the pale ale. Do you guys see any pale ales coming out anymore? But I do. do you drink no. something? I do, but because Popular. we're industry. But if I were just yeah. a consumer, yeah, it's very hard to just find a just classic pale ale because pale ales don't sell anymore. Yep, right. IPA sell, and There's if it doesn't have the I before the PA, mm-hmm. it, it it's not going to sell. It'll people don't get excited. About Figueroa it. Mountains Mosaic Pale Ale is probably one of the best pale ales I've ever had and it's straight ever. mosaic and it's yeah. straight mosaic and it's beautiful Pops, and off of draft that thing is just the most gorgeous one of the most gorgeous beers I've ever had seriously like that is the best pale ale I've ever had hands down and um, it won't move 
yeah. will not move. But as soon as you put an I in front of it or you attach the word hazy to it, it'll sell instantly. Mm-hmm. But customer appeal rules all of everything. There are certain fads that, that, that come through this. And what's interesting is right now we're actually having like a resurgence of loggers. And like light beers, people want to stop thinking so much because we over-inundated ourselves with these crazy barrel-aged sours, these bourbon barrel-aged cocoa puff unicorn <laughs> horn armpit glitter. sniff glitter <laughs> imperial russian you know stout whatever it is um we got over inundated with all this stuff that people want eventually just kind of sit back and just have a beer again but they also want to support local they also want to support craft and we, we've now come to this point a hundred years later after prohibition where you can put brand loyalty back in things because we lost brand loyalty when the prohibition came through. And we can now put that back into things so we can put it into communities that actually matter. And so people are starting to go into this whole trend of loggers again. But then that brings up something we were talking about earlier and something I got a kind of personal gripe with is uh, seltzers. Oh, yeah. The vape of the beer industry. (laughs) Good old White Claw. The vape of the beer industry. Right now... Before I say anything else, something crazy happened this week. Apparently, White Claw is being sold out and all across the country because they can't keep up with demand. That's what, yeah. Wow. That is insane. That. White Claw is sold out. So if you find a White Claw out there, it's probably either going to be expensive or it's on sale. Like, but that goes to show how much has grown over the last year even or even longer than that and yeah. how it's impacted the market. And that right. definitely impacts the beer market Ma- huge, massively. Yeah. Well, I was asking yeah. Zach when he was here. I said because he does a lot of communications for Four Peaks. And I mean, he's yeah. working for AB InBev, and he has a huge like database ready for him to go. I asked him. I said, "Do you think you know White Claw is a trend? Do you think all this is going to stick around?" And the general idea was is that it's not on the same. It's not on the same level as like a hazy IPA or. Nope. In- or uh, milkshake IPA. Those are those are within the same category of trends. But I feel that this white claw, the the seltzer beer. Okay, they do call it a beer. They by call the way, it a seltzer beer. They call it a seltzer beer because um, it's carbonated, and they go with that category. Right. Not all mm. beer is carbonated. Well, Cascales, <laughs> Cascales, Cascales nitros. Come on, buddy. settle down, settle down. <laughs> nitros still have a disgust. bit of carbonation fair, in them, fair, just fair, not fair. as much. So in the keg, I guess not necessarily what it's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. All right. Anyways, so <laughs> we digress. So, so the idea of this white claw, this this seltzer coming through our market is is, and a lot of these reps will agree with me, killing the the craft beer industry. Why? It's a massacre. Well, look at it. It's a product that's easily consumable. It is low in calories. It's Mediocre very, and ABV. Very easy to produce. And it's cheap. And it's yep. cheap. And you can make a profit. Yep. And and that's kind of like, you know, the cash cow for a lot of a lot of things. I know that uh Truly, which is one of those other brands, mm-hmm. is owned by A B InBev. Yes. I think that's what Zach yeah. said. Yeah. Um yeah. White yeah, Claw. It, it was truly that he was talking about. Right. White Claw's someone else. Mm-hmm. White Claw's someone else. I'm I'm sure somebody will who's listening who's like, I know the answer. Yeah. So I get it. We definitely um, know you do. But but here's the thing is that I, I feel that White Claw is definitely kind of like a substitute. I think some people may need to take a break from craft beer, that it is so heavy that you're so inundated with the heavy IPAs or the and hazies. It's or constantly a thought process. It's con- that you're you're right. constantly having to think with a lot of these beers, you know? It's, yeah. It's, it's not just... Sometimes it is just a nice experience, but sometimes it's like like that green one that you're drinking right mm-hmm. now, the Roswell Sure Swell. Mm-hmm. It's, 
you got to sit there and think about that beer. It changes over time. It does so much. It evolves. It it's a thinker, right? Mm-hmm. And same with the white claw. Not. I think I think it's just it's definitely one of those just like easy substitutes. We like okay. I think my my you know <laughs> waistline and my belly can take a break <laughs> from it. You can put it in a can. Drink. I mean, you see the appeal. We all see and understand oh, yeah. the appeal, and that's totally fine. Um, is it a trend that's going to be killing our industry? I don't think so. No. I think it's putting in a significant dent into into what yeah. we're doing. Mm-hmm. But it, it has to be. Necessarily it, is a dent though. But like, I feel like it's an addition. It it's, is. It's welcoming mm, more people into. Possibly, but if you're trying to sell, at the same time, yeah. it's taking sales away well, from. I'd say mostly certain categories like lighter beers and ciders. And I think like honestly, that. there is room for us to embrace. The White Claw, or I, can use, I, mean, I need to stop saying look, White Claw. Look at the Superstition Meadery. Superstition Meadery put out the Discotheque and Mathematics. That's true. And they had a seltzer that, um, something happened. We never ended up getting it. I wish we did. Um, forget what happened with it. I think it's something in the canning. I don't know. Don't listen to me. But, <laughs> you know, the, even big places like this, these big craft places, you know, number one meadery in the world is pushing out seltzers, too. Like, I, at that point, I don't think it's no longer, a, I don't think it's a dent anymore. It's, it's an addition. Mind you, it does take away from lighter style beers. It does take away from all these things. But mm. what if a new style is created, like a hazy IPA, that took away from the West Coast IPA? Is that a dent? I don't think so. No. I think it's an addition. That's a good point. Yes. That is definitely a good point. I think it's an addition. I, yeah. I think that right now a lot of people are hating on this stuff, but I don't think there's any reason to hate. Dude, I don't hate. <laughs> I freaking love me some. Somebody brought, we had a little. I still never had a together. white claw, though, by the way. I've never had one. <laughs> okay. The ruby red grapefruit will change your life. That's what I'm saying. That's the thing. I'm a white chick. I'm like, uh, of course, same. I love my beer. <laughs> same. Alec is the same. He is my he is my white chick. Yeah, with a beard. Um, but yeah, no. Did you just? I mean, that's my exact reaction. I love me a white cloth. But listen, if I have like, and that's just the really thing is that I think it, time will tell. I think we need to be patient. I think we need to wait until this season is over and mm-hmm. see how it how it fares. I mean, see winter is coming. Yeah. <laughs> winter is coming. coming. Winter exactly. is coming. So so it'll be definitely a definite change and shift in our consumable yeah. community. I think that we just get to kind of sit back and wait and you know what? Hell, why not have a seltzer beer? How why not? Yeah. Give it a try. If you've never had it, go for it. And it appeals to both the male and female market. It is just yeah. so I'm not trying to like it's praise another, it over craft beer, but it's another ally. That's a great. It's an ally. As as it's not someone in the said, community, but it's an it's ally. It's an of ally. The community. Absolutely, mm. it's an ally to the new. It's it's new in the in the spectrum of of styles of beer that we're talking about. Oh. Any other styles of beer that you see that we need to, or that you would like to touch up on? I know there's a lot. Uh, you have a there, really great. Yeah, so I actually want. You have a great subject matter to talk about. I, I've I got love a this. lot in this one. Um, so I actually want to move over to uh, more of the data that we can pull from this, um, our, our, our quantitative data and our qualitative data, like when we actually have a beer. And we'll get into more styles, but to be honest, when you are going to take this test, everyone, um, when you look at the actual styles themselves and the breakdown of what the, again, I'm going to cover all these terms in a second, but the ABV, the IBU, and the SRM, when you start looking at the individual styles, where they come from, and what their descriptions are, a lot of that's just memory. Mm-hmm. You just got to memorize that shit, y'all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just just buckle down, <laughs> you know, throw on some headphones, and just focus on that, and just, just make sure you got that down, because otherwise it's all learning while on the job, you know, learning while you're out drinking, tasting it, actually doing the thing. Um, but there are certain things that you want to look for to make sure that what you're tasting is correct. Um, so I'm going to talk about three different uh, abbreviations 
Um, I'm going to need a little bit of help on the last one, only because I don't know what it stands for. <laughs> Zach left, man. We're <laughs> Paul is already pointing at me. He's got it loaded up. It. I was literally thinking about that before you were <laughs> yeah, about to start talking. Zach like, even what said it, it earlier off. <laughs> Zach said it earlier, and even still, it went right. Yeah, SRM. It went right ah. over my head. Like I know the gist of it, but to be honest, on on, on the test, it doesn't really ask too much detail about that. It, it asks your general basis, and we'll cover that briefly. But to be honest, it really doesn't cover much. What? Like standard reference model. Yeah, yeah. standard res- standard reference model. Standard reference model. I'm still gonna forget that. Y'all. That's okay. <laughs> as long as you know what it means. Yeah, and what it is. Standard um, reference method. Method. method, method. Sorry. Where's Zach? Yeah, we miss you, Zach. Come back. <laughs> so, Come back, Zach. The big one to cover, actually, the two big ones to cover, because typically when you go to a beer bar, there are two things listed underneath the brewery name, and the uh, beer name is going to be not only the style, but the ABV and the IBU. ABV is basically the percentage. Um, alcohol, it's alcohol per volume. By, by volume. By volume. By volume, yeah. Um, I said APV. Oh, my God. <laughs> I work in the end of We're Jesus talking Christ. about... Communicable diseases now? What's going on? Oh, my God. Oh, yo, yo. Paul. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, alcohol by volume. It's the percentage of alcohol within the drink. Um, And so there's actually a couple fun classifications that a lot of people, if you're not in in this beer industry, don't quite know. Um, The first of which is going to be session. If anything says session, it is under 5%. It is 4.9% or lower. Um, everything from 5% up to 7.9 doesn't necessarily have a classification. It's just, this is the beer. This it's is the an beer. IPA. It's a blonde. It's not a session IPA. It's not a session blonde. Then we hit 8%. And we hit something called double or imperial. Now, that literally only means 8% and over ABV. Um, there are a lot of people think that, that means, you know, extra this, or it tastes more like this, or it has this to it. Um, I had a guy asking me the other day, he's like, oh, you know, I don't like how bitter double IPAs are because the ABV is over eight. And I'm like, what? You tried the wrong beer. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm not quite understanding you, friend. Right. Um, and so, really, it just means over eight, over 8%. And so, what gets a little bit tricky is there's some real interesting clarification between double and then triple then, and specifically talking about IPAs, because you don't ever see triple described as anything else other than an IPA. And typically when you see a stout, it's usually imperial. When you see an an IPA, it's going to be double. Sometimes it's imperial, but a lot of times you see double. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen double stout. It's always imperial stout. I've seen a few. Have you? Yeah, they're they're few and far between, but it's not not the bait, the the norm. Yeah. and hell, even with stouts, we've got so many different kinds. Russians and Americans and Irish and all this stuff. Um, and so the sort of difference that I've gathered, again, there's no like actual textbook definition for what the difference between double and triple is. But double, you're not going to have a multi body, and it's still going to be working off of the hops that you're mostly going for. And then triple, you're going to have a hell of a lot more malt, and it's going to be this bigger, maltier um, beer, really. I mean... Have you, have you guys found any differences with double and triple other than that? I've Usually always noticed it's, that it's the malt bill. When it, yeah, yeah, it all just depends on the recipe. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on the recipe, but then for the consumer, for you to, for people who are listening who need to try and like find the big telltale as to yeah. what a double and triple is, look at the serving size. Yeah. If the serving size is going to be about 10 ounces or less, you can guarantee that it's going to be a higher ABV. Yeah. So that's one thing that people can look forward to. I've seen a 9% triple before, and I've seen a 14% double. 
Yeah. It's, it's crazy how that it works. Is, it yeah. is kind and of like an interesting thing. It's just yeah. kind of like that random scale that people just have to be yeah. cognizant of. And I think hopefully after this, people will learn here about the difference and kind of apply yeah. that to their next beer adventure. Yeah. And again, I, I haven't gone as far. I'm not uh, an advanced sister. I'm like Zach is. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if they actually have any. I don't know if there is any classification for exactly what a triple is I really think it is just this weird gray area. I think area. it's just over the, over the certain yeah. amount of ABV. Well, that's yeah, it's, it's it's over eight percent and then more malt. Yeah, I think right. Yeah. And it's, I don't think there's a. I mean, and there are quads. There are like Belgian oh, yeah. quads yeah. that I've seen out there. Oh, God, and and again, it's just like one of those higher octane, um, frosty beverages that you yeah. may come across. And it's just good for the consumer to understand like what these numbers yeah. and what these abbreviations really do mean. Yeah. And and that's. A really great little tidbit. I, I love how you eloquated that very nicely. And so that brings me into my next one, which is IBU. And ah. Oh, IBU. I'm going to tell you all a little, a little thing, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've repeated this, this same few sentences that I'm about ready to say. Because I, I get a lot of people all the time that are like, this beer has 50 IBU. I don't like, I don't like anything over 30. I don't like yeah. anything that's over 30 IBU because like it's too I don't like any IBUs. I don't like, I like a over, lot yeah. of IBUs. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, but... Well. Here's the thing that gets me is IBU is the... Was it International um, Bitterness International. Unit? International. Yeah, International. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Bitterness Unit. And it is literally a scientific measurement of the alpha acids released from the hops during the boiling period. So, Damn, that was the smartest thing I've ever heard you say. I don't say many <laughs> smart things. That's the only thing you're going to hear me say that's intelligent. <laughs> The alpha. Oh my! It's goodness. a good thing you have it recorded. <laughs> oh, it's in. Oh, it's in. It's in. It's in, baby. It's in lifeline. <laughs> Fresh so. batteries. This isn't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, basically, for all you guys at home, like the longer a hop is sitting in the boil, the more alpha acids it's going to produce. So, all these crazy hopped West Coast beers that are extremely bitter and have no malt to them, guess what? They did a lot of early boil hops and then did probably a couple late boil hops or mid-boil hops to add to the flavor and aroma. But they were mostly going for that bitterness, which was at the very beginning. And so when you're talking about IBU, it's the scientific measurement. When you talk about perceived bitterness and what you actually taste when you put it into your mouth, IBU is nothing but a, excuse my French, but a fucking lie, y'all. Like, half the time it doesn't tell you the truth because... There's there's a thing here called adjuncts, or you know one of the other four main components of beer, which is malt, mm-hmm. and that all takes away from the perceived bitterness that you would taste from that IBU. It all takes away from that. So I've had literally 120 IBU IPA before that tastes like an unmalted 30 IBU beer. IBUs don't judge what a beer is going to taste like based on the IBU. It is a scientific measurement and pretty much nothing more than that. Some beers you can go off of that with. Um, and that actually brings me into some stouts here. Is I want to make a little clarification between two different styles of stouts. Is There's um, a Russian and there's an American style stout. Um, we were talking off off air about one thing about you know the differences between you know European style beers and American style beers and then European old world style wines not even just European but old world style wines versus American style wines is as soon as things get over into America we like to like America we like to take the Texas mentality yeah and it's you know the bigger the better so mm-hmm. we hop the living shit out of everything yep. our wines are higher ABV than you know old world style wines it's just what we do. 
Um, so there's all these different things. That, so anyway, yeah, the, the difference between Russian and American is Russian has virtually no hops, and American stouts are bitter. You know, you're gonna have that. What what else goes into it is you know up to the brewers, and you know different from beer to beer, but you know, it's all kind of different there. Um, so IBU only trust it so much. <laughs> it tells you some of the truth. And if, if I've ever bartended for you and you've asked me about certain things, I always say the test of a good beer is about how honest it is. It's, does this beer tell me the truth? If it is just going to call itself a light lager, you better fucking do a perfect light lager. <laughs> but say you're going to call yourself this tiki masala. I don't know. What's the thing I was talking about earlier with unicorns, all that. If oh, you're like, going to do that, the glitter. I want, yeah, I want yeah. to taste and I want to see every bit of that, even if it's a bastardization of the traditional style. Um, you want a beer that's going to tell you the truth. You want a beer that is going to tell you what's actually going on um, and be honest with you. And so IBUs are not always honest. So look elsewhere for your truth. <laughs> Trust your tongue. Phrase Ooh, I never thought I'd say. That's another one that I can put on my shirt. Fear no beer. Trust your tongue. Trust the tongue. Trust your tongue. It's it's just cheeky enough for it to work. <laughs> so then we're getting into SRM and and what does SRM stand for? Standard <laughs> relative method. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Standard reference <laughs> reference method. There you go. In, but in it has to be relevant. Come on. Paul yeah. with the assist. <laughs> <laughs> go team go. Go team. Yeah, that's why it's a group podcast. Thank God. Um, and, and this one, again, they don't ask a ton on the actual test about all of this, but it, it, it's it's the color of the beer. It's what the color looks like. Everything from like light gold into golden into or actually it's straw mm-hmm. straw straw, straw like gold golden mm-hmm. and then you go all There's the way up run, and then honey and then you go yeah. cardamom one to ten. And, yeah yeah one and, to ten. and so it's a yeah it's a numeric scale but yeah. it's all based off of colors as well and every number has a color association with it all the way up to basically black as dirt or brown as dirt brown uh, as dirt brown black as black as night tar no, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, Night? all the way up to you know these crazy stouts, and so SRM again. I'm not going to go too much into detail on that because it really is just a one to ten number scale with the color attached to it, and it's it's just going to be another you have to memorize it. Yep. Yeah. And only for the test do you have to memorize it because I swear to God, once you get behind a bar, you are on the other side of the bar drinking. No one talks about SRM. Mm-mm. Nobody. Because they don't know about it. Mm-hmm. But now, yeah. on our now podcast, do. I like to bring it up every now. And they then. do. Like yeah, to reference because it's it not, just to be a nerd. Because but. it's not necessarily called SRM. People just want to say color or yeah. clarity. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. They don't know what SRM actually means. Yeah. And so, and so, when a bar, a, a, a certified Cicerone is serving you a beer, and if they say, "Oh, the SRM on this is blah blah blah," you're just being like, "I don't know what the fuck SRM is." But that's a clear telltale sign that your bartender yeah. or your beer tender has taken the Cicerone certified program, and they know what the hell they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And so after that, then we get into more. So that's all like the quantitative sort of stuff where you can actually say, this is on a scale. I can judge it based off of this. You know, ABV is on a scale. I can judge it. IBU, it's on a scale. I know it has this many IBUs because it's scientific. It's the quantitative data. SRM, I can look at the color and I can put it on the scale and give it, you know, a 7 SRM because it's going to be this, you know, maybe uh, Belgian Dubel or Belgian Dark Strong or something like that. That's going to be not quite black as night, but it's going to have those deep, rich caramel 
uh, brown colors kind of go into sure. it. Um, and then we move into qualitative data. So what are we smelling? What are we tasting? What does it taste like after I swallow? What does it feel like when it's in my mouth? Um, we talked about IBU. <clears throat> Instead of what the IBU is, let's talk about what, is, what does the bitterness actually taste like? Like how bitter is it actually tasting? And then also, what does it look like other than? Because we're drinking this Roswell Sure Swell, and that doesn't fit on that SRM scale because <laughs> there wasn't a green. There's no green category. Yeah, if it there's... wasn't green, I would guess if it was actually clearer and it wasn't green color, it'd probably be like two. Yeah, two it, or it three maybe. Straw to but like it's also gold the or... reason why you it doesn't. Tell. Yeah, but it's also the reason <laughs> like on there why it doesn't yeah. give an other category yeah. mm-hmm. you know yeah. like there's not you can't just pick other you yeah. have to pick something on there and i think with beers like that from you yeah. know bottle shop they're just they're kind of breaking molds and like, which is now going to have to make us break molds into yeah. what we're being tested on and what are the kind of like what color like 12 west came out with another one that looked almost like that it was mm-hmm. a what was it chucky's lullaby oh, oh chucky's mm-hmm. lullaby oh i never i never i never had that oh one. chucky's lullaby i think was one of the groundbreaking ones where it was literally yeah. it was i mean they added gatorade at the mm-hmm. end and yep, it looks very gatorade. very similar to that a little yeah. bit more hazy um but where the hell are the is Cicero going to put that stuff on on their scales? Are they going to modify? Are they going to accommodate? Like, what are they going to do? So that's the thing that I. It's a very oh, interesting question. Something from the Brewers Association, actually. They there was something. There was a group. They were called. Shit, what was the acronym? I think it was Swag. Swag. I think it was Swag. S W A G. And it was this group of brewers that were trying to advocate stuff for we sours. all get. It was for sours. Oh, sours, sour. We all get. I've got no. I've idea. heard that's what swag was. Swag. What we all yeah. get. Stuff we all get. But they're advocating to try and get the Brewers Association to add this to the actual proper guidelines. Sure, There's, as they should. And, and as we were talking about earlier, this customer appeal, that's driving what is happening in this industry. And things are rapidly changing. I took a, t- I t- I took a week break and I came back and already everything felt brand new to me. Sure. The, the, this, this industry is constantly changing. And I mean, I, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that because you're standing outside of the lines trying to get the newest release. You're hearing about this new release over here. You're hearing about this thing. You're hearing about that and this and that and this and that. We all know how quickly this changes. And so it's this crazy... Evolving monster evolving that, that yeah, we get, it really to, is. That we get to hang out with. And cool. so what are we actually talking about here? We're talking about beer. We're talking about what does it taste like? What, is it, what does it actually do? And so let's reference that Roswell Shore Swell. It's a Berliner Weiss. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the color. Berliner Weisses are a light, bready, because um, Weiss stands for wheat in mm-hmm. German. Uh, it's a light, weedy, sour, lightly tart, you know, table beer, basically. Yep. You table know, something beer. super lots low. Lots of salt, it's lots true. of savory. Yeah. yeah. Super savory. Let's just say it can get into room temperature and you can still enjoy yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's bready. Yeah. It really is bready. If you have a Berliner Weiss and you don't get bread, is it really Berliner Weiss? Yeah. You know? Um, so that, that's kind of the thing with all these with, with all these beer here. And what I would recommend is sit down at a local brewery, sit down at a local you know, beer shop, and um, sit down at the bar, grab a flight, one of every different style that you can find on the board, bring your notes out. And see how well it compares to what's actually on the notes there. See what how it compares to the traditional styles and see where they take leaps. See where they take, you know, creative, uh, uh, what's it called? License. Creative license, thank you. <laughs> um, where they take creative license on all of that. Um, I'm kind of losing myself here, but... 
every beer is. I, I can't necessarily go through every single no. beer that we have on this list and talk right. about you know and aroma, flavor, aftertaste, mouth feel. But it really is. Sit down, look at your notes, see what the beer is supposed to be, mm-hmm. and taste it out. Do that one you fun know? thing that we talked about earlier is I think right before my <laughs> batteries killed, uh, <laughs> batteries died is is go to a bar where you can do a flight where you can consume a flight, but ask the beer tender or your Cicerone to not tell you what you're getting. Just say, hey, listen, you have a flight of, you know, four that I can sample? Cool. Can you get me four that I have no idea what the hell they could be and write them down, Obby? And then then I want to try and test myself. It's such a fun little, like, side activity for you to do. If if, if you are in the industry and you're looking to get into, uh, be part of the Cicerone certified program, Test yourself. Go out there and try it out. Try it at your own bar. I think at your own bar would be a great like training wheels kind of you know thing to do. But even if you're okay. not in the industry and you want to try and like quiz yourself on this and to expand your knowledge on on the wide world of beer, try it out. Give it a try. Yeah. I've I've ex- I've suggested that to a lot of my of the folks that come into my bar who are interested in just a name or a package and they're just like <laughs> mm-hmm. ready to just like give it a shot and I'm like yeah let's try it let's let's have some fun with this you know and it so is it is fun beer should be fun absolutely beer it's should like, be fun it should like music you find a good one exactly. you find a good song you want to share it with someone you want to have this this community around this band around this song around this music it's the same thing for beer and you put it on repeat for a month yeah Wait, and then we're you gonna try drink this beer else. on repeat for a month <laughs> That's this industry moves much better. Honestly, cool listen, I've done that before, and I hate to, I hate to like showboat, but listen, I give credit credits to. Again, I'm a big weirdo. Um, when Ren House came out with their new tricks, which is a sour oh raspberry God, yes. milkshake yes, IPA, yes. I, I won't lie. Like I'm the kind of beer drinker where if like I go to an establishment, I'll try like two, three, like one, you know, different things, or if I'm you know working, I want to you know sample like a good pint mm-hmm. after work, yada yada. But I kid you not, for a month I would be searching for new tricks. I would be I would be literally on Untapped and looking for where un, where new tricks was, and I would go and I would drink it. Like Moto had it on tap, and I did they really? Oh my god, I had like four of them. They were so <laughs> they were just delicious. So damn, that's me. Anytime I see a Lilacoy Capolo out and about, I have to yes. drink the entire keg empty. I uh, am a and then you're fool like for like Lilacoy. the the time when I tried selling it, selling new tricks, I would be like, Do you like IPAs? Eh, not so much. Do you like sours? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, do you want to try IPAs? Yeah, sure. I'm gonna set, I'm gonna pour you a new trick. You served me a new tricks once. I, actually, I, did. I, rem- I remember I totally that. Totally did, Alec. Oh my yeah, gosh! I totally got one from you. That's when my yep. dad and stepmom came through. Oh, that's right. Thank uh, you, yeah, Irene's. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were there time. Paul was there too. Actually, I got two of them from you. That. Oh my. Fantastic I'm telling beer. you, not because I'm a phenomenal salesperson, but this because... brought to you by Roundhouse. This, this, adver- <laughs> this advertisement brought to you by Tap That AZ. No, um, <laughs> but no, I'm telling you, like, I, 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 when I believe in a product and I know that it's it's made with care and blood, sweat, and tears, and I mean, I'm sure it's not made with blood, sweat, and tears. Please there are actually some that. beers that are made with one sweat and also blood. It's happened. That doesn't surprise me. Please tell me you're being facetious. I'm not. Oh, Lord. Uh, I'll tell you off air because one is maybe a little too <laughs> dirty for this mic. I don't want to it. dirty it up. But uh, so, no, there's some made with blood. Well, now. You had it earlier. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It is not being served here at King's Convenience. No, but it is anyway. Not. No blood beer. But 
I mean, it is definitely a topic for, for people who have been listening to our podcast, who are dedicated to the craft, who are very much avid consumers, who support the craft beer community. Um, you may not be working in it, but listen, it doesn't matter. It's about you. It's about the consumers. It's about our audience. It's about people who continually support um, what our cause is, what we do, who we talk about. And for those of you who are willing to listen and learn, thank you so 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 much thank you, for, thank you, thank you. for listening to our podcast. We had some yep. amazing guest hosts here. We had Inkle Do in here. Inkle Do, you guys are phenomenal. Thank you so much for thank doing you guys a for continuing to have us. I'm loving it. Oh my gosh, you guys are just it's so much fun. Oh my gosh, yes, yes. I mean, there's there's never going to be a time where I'm like, nah, nah. I always, <laughs> always. Um, thank you so much, Zach from Four Peaks, for coming out and yes. talking to us about everything. He says thank um, you. He is a phenomenal <laughs> person. If you ever like have a chance to go to hit up Four Peaks, go hit Four Peaks and you know give a quick little shout out and say hi four peaks is one of the original arizona breweries and they deserve admiration for for their longevity and for um what they do go in there and get a one-off if you're if you're if you're one of those kinds of people that are just like oh they sold up to ab and the so what go in there you guys still buy Goose Island. I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> you guys crap on places that sell out to AB InBev, and yet you're still in line to get the new release of the Bourbon County. I don't want to hear it. And you know what? <laughs> Here's the thing, though, is I'm going to go back to our roots of this podcast. It's We give credit where credit's due. Oh, yeah. We stay positive. We we love admiration of all of everything craft beer. Thank you so much to the brewers. Thank you so much to the beer tenders, to the Cicerones, to the bar owners. Thank you guys so much for, for listening to us and supporting us because we will always and forever support you guys. And again, last but not least, thank you so much, Alec, for giving us your insight on styles of beer. It's beautiful. It's lovely. I hope, I hope, my biggest hope is that somebody listening to this podcast will be like, yeah, that Alec guy was talking about, you know, kettle sours. I want to go try a kettle sour. And that person God, has now completely too, yeah. expanded their palate because of what you've said. But yeah, that's the whole thing with all this is really the one thing to take away is just grab your notes, figure out what it should be, start drinking, learn try something. it. Yeah, go, learn, go learn something. I mean, because that's all it really comes down to mm-hmm. with this stuff is trial and error is grab that beer, grab that thing, taste it, share it, experience mm-hmm. it, talk about it. You know, it's, and that's it's exactly what we're going to do. Build a community as, around this beer. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're going to do. After so we get to go drink. Pause. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God, guys! See a lot of empty glasses. <laughs> oh Thank you so much, Tap That Az, for having me. This <laughs> Thank is you a every- pleasure. I appreciate oh, it. Thank the you. The pleasure so much. was all ours. Thank you, Paul Rosevere, for jumping on. Thank you, yeah, Brandon and AJ for Inkle Do. Thank you guys so much for coming on again. Alec or Eric will be back on the air again for our next podcast. Guys, keep listening. We love hearing your guys' feedback. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all you know the social media things. Uh, again, tap that. Easy. This is Liz signing off. Thank you again, gentlemen, so much for enjoying my. Oh my! <laughs> thank you again, and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you again, gentlemen, for for entertaining my afternoon as I clearly cannot speak anymore. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good night. Cheers. Thank you, Paul, for stepping in there when Zach had to leave. We appreciate that. Now, everybody, we hope you are encouraged to go try something new. Go expand your horizons. And then while you're doing that, don't forget to like, share, and follow Tap That AZ and your boys over at Equal Do. And with that, we'll say adieu.